Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us this week. We wanted to start this episode with the announcement that I have officially legally changed my name. So from now on, you'll hear me called Olive. Hi guys, welcome to the Singsations podcast. My name is Olive and I am floored that they never did a song from Spring Awakening on the TV show Glee. Especially considering, wasn't Leah Michelle in that? As was Do- Jonathan Groff. Dang. Uh, hi, I'm Eliza, and I have the Glee wiki page open right now because so much happens this episode, and I want to make sure we cover everything. This episode's a lot. This episode is Throwdown. It's episode seven. A lot happened last episode, so I wanted to give a quick recap of everything so far. We are on the same page with Quinn's pregnancy plotline. Quinn is pregnant. She is dating Finn, but the baby is Pucks. Finn does not know. Will Schuster's wife, Terry, believed she was pregnant, found out she was not, but is still pretending to be pregnant and has struck a deal with Quinn to take Quinn's baby after it is born to pass it off as her own. Through Terry pretending to be a school nurse last last episode and giving drugs to all of the Glee kids, this has brought Will Schuster's teaching Uh, into credibility, into question. And so now Sue Sylvester is co-director of the Glee Club. So this week's episode opens with slow motion yelling and like a big argument between them, as is expected between Sue and Will. So we have competing voiceovers. Will's voiceover is about how much they, like he hates fighting. And then we switch over to Sue's monologue talking about how... (laughs) great fighting with will feels uh and then they start fighting in their voiceover which is peakly i feel at at one point will says in his monologue that she's turned me into her and then sue says that it feels good to pop the zit known as will schuster and you know what same this argument happens but then they do a flashback they're they talk about how like over the past week that they've been working together, there's been tension building. And so they do a flashback to approximately a week before and Figgins has called them into his office to evaluate how they're working together. And they're like, it's great. It's the best. Things are awesome, even though it's clearly not. So we have Figgins saying they better not try to bribe the kids into liking one of them more. Uh, And then we cut to Will immediately doing that. Um, He is, he's trying to garner favoritism from the kids, I guess. But the way he's doing it is he asks the Glee Club what music they would like to do. One of the most iconic interactions, I think, in all of Glee history, where Mercedes says that she'd like to do something more, quote, black. Uh, Kurt starts to agree. And Rachel says, quote, it's Glee Club, not Crunk Club. Uh, Mercedes threatens to beat Rachel up. And then Kurt snaps his fingers in Rachel's face, as she deserves. What's so upsetting, too, is that Mr. Schuster doesn't do anything. Like, you're a teacher and your student just said something super racist right in front of you. And you're just like, "Mm, moving on. And then Mike Chang is like, oh, well, I can pop and lock. That might be fun to do. And Will's like, "Mm, that's not what we need right now. But he's a gosh darn liar because Mike Chang is perfect in every way. I think we always need Mike Chang popping and locking. Yeah. Um, we then flash back to Figgins' office and he says, don't pit the kids against each other. And then we cut to Sue immediately doing that. 
she's in her office talking to the Cheerios and she's like, you know, getting them to do her bidding as she does. And she asks like, what are some ways that we can try to break apart the Glee Club? And they give this line to Quinn, which the line is minority students don't feel like they're being heard, which I just think is interesting that they gave to Quinn and not Santana, who is a Latina woman. I think there's even a shot that I noticed. Quinn says the line and then they cut to a shot of Santana kind of like looking down and it's like, why, why just give the line to the POC character that you have in the scene right now. And then we get um, iconic one of the memes. most iconic Glee lines that has been properly and rightfully memed that I use to this day, which is, I am going to create an environment that is so toxic. And I just, chef's kiss. I love Jane Lynch. That's my note for that line. I love Jane Lynch. In this scene, Sue also mentions that one time when selling her house, she poisoned the backyard so that nothing would grow because the buyers tried to get her to pay closing costs. And then they just skip over that. And uh, Figgins, back in his office, Figgins again makes it clear that sectionals is coming up and all. And of course, Will and Sue are still trying to pretend like everything's hunky-dory. And Figgins even makes them hug. And as they're hugging, Will says, I will destroy you. And Sue says, I'm about to vomit down your back. Which is gross. But I feel... Among Us would not vomit down Will Schuster's back. I feel it is on the same level as Puck's line in an earlier episode that's like, I had sex with your mother. Nice Star Wars sheets. (laughs) Like, Like, how do you respond to that? You cannot come back from that. It's so off the wall. There's literally like no, there's nothing you can say. They say that um, each of them are going to direct their own number for sectionals and they're going to flip a coin to see who goes first. Um, I don't think you can enforce hugging it out in a workplace. Yeah. He makes a weird comment about like, you're not leaving until I see bodies touching or something. And it's like, "Mm, no. Mm." I feel like we didn't need that. Um, We then cut to Quinn's first ultrasound. I love Quinn with all of my heart and soul. And I love this scene. I love a lot of the recent Quinn scenes because they do really humanize the character. And Quinn has a line at the beginning of the scene where she tells the doctor not to get the, the ultrasound goo on her uniform, which why is she wearing her uniform to the doctor's office? No idea. But I do want to kind of break down that line because I think it's an is- interesting look at how Ryan Murphy and assumably other Glee writers were always kind of trying to make Quinn look more shallow and conceited like oh how awful Quinn is that she cheated on Finn and is handing over her baby to some random lady but I kind of like this line as a perspective on how Quinn clings to her adolescence and the things that she feels safe in like the cheerleader uniform throughout the series Quinn is constantly trying to get back on the Cheerios even when she does realize that it's toxic um, because it's what she knows and so It's the same here where I think a lesser actress might have played this or might have come off shallow and kind of prissy with that line. But instead, I think the scene is really humanizing and it really zeroes in on the fact that like these are teenagers. Like Quinn is 16. She's a child who's about to have a child. I especially feel like, you know, we've seen, you know, how McKinley High works socially. We've seen that like, it is a status symbol to be cheerleader, a cheerleader. And in a way, you could almost say that, you know, the Cheerios uniform is her armor. It's what she puts on every day to like be Quinn Fabray. 
literally goes to all of her classes in her cheerleading uniform. Yeah, literally. And like, it's like so much of her personality is being a cheerio that I feel like it definitely makes sense that she wouldn't want to get anything like to mar that. Because as Rachel said last episode, she only has it for so long. So she's mm-hmm. like, I need to have this as much as I can until I can't anymore. And like you said, like hats off to Diana because yeah, there are, there are definitely people who would have played it exactly that way. And also, can I just say she's 16 years old. If she's shallow, that's fine. Yeah, 16 year olds are allowed to be a little prissy sometimes. They don't have the life experience to know not to be. So uh, Quinn, the, I think the doctor asks like, oh, so you guys are young. What are you going to do with the baby? And Finn says, you know, whatever Quinn wants to do with the baby after she's born is fine. Um, Will is in the waiting room of the doctor's office because neither Quinn or Finn have told their parents that Quinn is pregnant, uh, which in all honesty, I do think is like a really weird position to put Will in as a teacher. Like I, I'm not a teacher, but I don't know what I would do in that situation if a student like asked me to drive them to a doctor's appointment, you know? Yeah, like, cause there's, there's like certain like, you know, lines that you're not supposed to cross, obviously. And, you know, Will isn't doing a great job of that. Um, but I mean, I guess within the constraints of the TV show, I'm willing to let this one slide. So Finn comes out from the doctor's office. He's obviously super anxious. He admits to Will that he hasn't been doing well lately and just would not know how to handle a baby if, if Quinn did decide to keep the child. Um, and as I mentioned before, this is a really sympathetic scene because it emphasizes how like these are children who are about to have another child. And I think it's easy when watching teen shows where the teens are played by adults to forget that the characters are so young, especially when the show sexualizes the characters the way that Glee does. But like they are both 16 and we don't know it now, but Quinn's parents literally will kick her out of the house if they find out she's pregnant. Ben says that Will couldn't possibly understand the stress. And I kind of get his point. I kind of get Ben's point because like Will does have other stress in his life. And I think there are like there are parallels between Finn and Will. But I also think it's important to note that Will is an adult dealing with adult problems, whereas Finn and Quinn are both children dealing with adult problems and there is a stark difference between that you know there have been parallels between will and finn in basically every episode so far and the parallels are obvious in this scene and will himself will go on to put the parallels in that like finn was at quinn's ultrasound but will hasn't been at any of terry's um but you know terry and will were trying to have a kid for a long time and as we continue to emphasize, because it is important, Finn and Quinn are 16 years old. Um, and I know that I definitely wasn't ready, would have been ready for any of this at 16 years old. I almost want to just skip this next scene because I hate it so much. Um, yeah, but we can't. want to feel like I need to take a shower. Um, so we cut away from the doctor's office and Jacob Ben Israel, the school's like gossip guy, corners Rachel at her locker. And he just kind of starts like berating her about reading his blog where he talks about all the drama at school. And once again, I have to question who would even read this blog if everyone hates Jacob so much? Like, can't you just get gossip like from your friends at school? Why do you need to read a blog about it? Um, Rachel does- Also, I can't, like, obviously, again, we didn't go to high school. 
like at a regular high school, but I feel like there's not possibly that much gossip at this school. And I can't imagine caring about all of it. Rachel does try to brush his off, brush him off, uh, claiming all his stories are total garbage. But Jacob's like, oh, my next story is about the rumors that Quinn Fabray is pregnant. And once again, I must point out that they are in a crowded hallway speaking at normal volume. And Rachel, of course, denies it quickly, denies that Quinn is pregnant. But then Jacob accuses Rachel of being jealous that Finn, quote, didn't choose you to carry his litter, which makes me feel like I need to take a whole shower after hearing. He says that a little birdie told him, which I get is like an expression that people use, but also the only people who know about the pregnancy are the Glee kids, which does sort of imply that someone leaked the information, but then that never gets addressed. They never explain like how Jacob and Israel found out about it. I don't know. And I don't think Glee thought it through at all. I think they were just, yeah, here's a thing we can say. They were like, we really want this offensive Jewish stereotype character to be on as many episodes as possible. Rachel does sort of give in to his taunting and asks, what will it take for for him to not run the story? But before he answers, we cut to Sue and Will deciding who gets to choose the first song uh, for sectionals. And they do a coin flip, but Sue has a double-headed coin and so she wins automatically. And I have to question why they haven't chosen songs already, because again, they specify that Quinn is 10 weeks pregnant and assuming that she found out she was pregnant at the beginning of the semester, that means they're 10 weeks into the semester, which is like two and a half months. Not necessarily. She might be, you know, it can be hard to tell the first, like, it's whatever time they need it to be for the plot. Yeah. So Sue wins the coin flip and splits the kids into Sue's kids and Will, of course, has objections to this right away because, of course, it pits the kids against each other and divides the club. But Sue pulls out the show choir rule book and says that as long as all 12 kids are like perform in at least one song at sectionals, it's fine. They just they don't have to all be in every song. They just need 12 kids total. And Will at first thinks that Sue will take all the football players and the cheerleaders, but Sue ends up calling all the like quote unquote minority members. So Kurt, Mike, Mercedes, Santana, Matt, Artie, and Tina. She calls them in this order. Calls them all offensive names. Calls them Santana, which is the only one that she names because I think that's the only one who she knows the name of. Wheels, gay kid, Asian, other Asian, Aretha and Shaft. So I would say gay kid wheels are like level two bad. And then she makes a fast jump to like level nine bad. Of, well, when she says Asian too, Tina and Mike look at each other because they're not sure who she's referring to. They're both Asian. And then she says other Asian. And so they both walk up. And it's at this point too, I think the writers of Glee were assuming that most people watching the show also didn't know the names of these characters of course will immediately catches on to what she's doing um but is powerless to stop her question mark i don't get why though like he seems like oh i can't do anything about this but i'm not sure why he can't just go tell biggins like hey sue is doing all the stuff that you said not to do can you stop her yeah 
I don't know what's stopping him from like going and telling Figgins. But anyway, we cut to Terry and Kendra on the phone, your favorite characters. Kendra says uh, to tell Quinn not to get the baby vaccinated because it'll make the kids stupid. Um, We love, first of all, we love subscribing to the idea that vaccines will mess up your child in some way. And assuming that Kendra is playing off of the trend of thinking that vaccines cause autism. We also love thinking that autism and stupidity are synonymous. We love that for Glee. Heavy sarcasm because you cannot see the face that Lori is making right now, but it is pricelessly sarcastic. Terry then says, um, what are the chances the kid gets polio anyway? Um, And then Will does uh, grab the phone from Terry and hang up on Kendra, as he should. Will is reasonably frustrated with Terry uh, for making decisions on their baby's health because he was listening to only Terry's part of the conversation. So he thinks that Terry was talking about like not vaccinating their baby, the baby that he thinks Terry is having. And he says, you know, he's been to the OBGYN for Finn and Quinn, but not for the baby that they're having. And of course, we, we know, the audience knows that the reason he hasn't gone to the doctor with Terry is because Terry hasn't gone to the doctor because she's not pregnant. Um, but Will demands to go to the next doctor's visit with Terry, which of course leaves her in a sticky situation because she doesn't have a baby to show on the ultrasound if they were to ultrasound her stomach. We cut to Finn and Rachel in the hallway. Um, and Rachel... I assume has explained what Jacob or that Jacob was onto the secret. And we still don't know what Rachel had to do, but it's alluded to that it was probably very gross. Rachel says that she, she doesn't mind doing it though, because she did it to protect him and Quinn. You know, they're such great teammates and Finn is a big dumb teen boy who uh, takes her at her word and doesn't get that like she clearly did this just for him because she's still hung up on him and I do feel bad for her because like there's no way that that's it's just a bad situation you all know. around like I'm sympathetic to everyone in the little Finn Rachel Quinn love triangle because I think they each like have their reasons for feeling the way they feel um, and after Finn walks away Jacob approaches and we find out that he had demanded Rachel give him a pair of her underwear. Um, But the one that she gave him still had tags on them and were like clearly not actually her own. And he demands they they be delivered by tomorrow. And then he tries to kiss her. Don't kiss people without their permission. Just don't do it. (laughs) Literally pushes him away. That is the official stance of the Sensations podcast. Don't kiss people without their permission. (laughs) Didn't think we had to state that one, Um, but you know, on a show like Glee, can never be too sure. Exactly. We cut to all the uh, quote-unquote minority kids, dubbed Sue's kids, in the choir room, and a few express how they're kind of uncomfortable about being sectioned off from the others, and we find out that in a Sue's corner last night that Sue has been claiming to be super sensitive to minorities because she's 116th Native American. And that she wants to move to Californian, to, to Californian, that she wants to move to California to become a minority. I don't even get that joke. Um, which claiming that you have Native American ancestry is such a terrible, tired, overused joke that isn't funny in any fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think it is possible that they are making fun of people who claim Native American ancestry, but it's not clear enough for this to be funny, if that makes sense. As Sue enters the choir room, uh, she's brought a few jazz musicians with her, one guy holding like a trumpet and then I think a saxophone player. And she hands out sheet music to Hate On Me by Jill Scott. Um, And all the kids are immediately like super psyched. Sue's like, Mike, you're going to be popping and locking because we love that from you. Mercedes finally gets to embrace like the blackness of the song. And they all start singing and they all know the vocal backing like immediately. And I think this is this is really the episode where we get into questioning like how do how does every member of the Glee Club know the backing vocals to every song flawlessly? Um, this this song does objectively slap. Uh, Mercedes sings lead and Tina gets a few of the like background solo lines, which is great. We love that for Tina. Especially after the whole debacle with uh, the Tonight solo. Yeah. This song does also, I think, fit her voice better than Tonight. Matt and Mike do get some cool dance moves in there. Their dancing is kind of... um, out of place though because they're both really good dancers but the song doesn't really lend itself to dancing and it's kind of like they're both just freestyling and it looks kind of awkward to the music so it's like clear that they're both very good dancers but some of the other teens besides Matt and Mike also look very awkward dancing because they're just doing like little head bops in the background yeah (laughs) it doesn't really match up um, but it's fun, you know, it's good fun. It's also very much like, a, oh yeah, Glee Club rehearsal. They're not really sure what they're doing, but they're going for it. We love to see it. Um, right. Will accuses Sue of trying to undermine him in front of the Glee Club, which is correct. But then she says she is trying to sabotage Glee Club, which, so like him calling her out accomplished literally nothing. Right. Um, he like approaches her in the hallway And she says, oh, I thought I smelled failure as he approaches, which is iconic. Um, And apparently Sue both had the piano removed from the music room and burned all of Will's sheet music, leaving him unable to practice with his group. Um, Although I do have to question why he can't just get new sheet music. Um, In this confrontation, like you said, Sue does admit that she has been trying to destroy the Glee Club because she hates Will Schuster and his greasy curly hair that little birds might lay eggs in. Will does, of course, call Sue out for teaching the kids all the wrong lessons, but Sue says that she's just trying to protect her legacy, which is in reference to a few episodes ago when one of the producers of Sue's Corner said that she has to win at the cheerleading nationals in order to like continue her career. So back at Will's apartment, Uh, He is in the middle of grading papers when Carrie offers him a beer and admits that she's been kind of hard on him lately. And she does admit that she doesn't want a marriage like Kendra has, which is great. We love that awareness for her. Will does sort of express um, some of his troubles at school with Sue. And Terry says that he has to get down in the gutter if he wants to win referring to sinking to Sue's level. Um, And uh, we find out 
the next day at Cheerios practice, while Sue was being interviewed by some reporter for a cheerleading magazine, which is apparently a thing that exists. As they are walking out to the field, she sees that only Santana, Quinn, and Brittany are on the field. And Quinn explains that none of the cheerleaders are academically eligible after Mr. Shu has failed all of the team. I did just Google it, and it's not the one that they mentioned in the show because I don't think that they would have mentioned a real one in the show, but there is apparently an American cheerleader magazine, so good for them. I know cheerleaders work very hard, and I'm very impressed by all the little flips they can do. Um, As am I. Uh, I'm just surprised you can make a magazine for it. Although I guess you can make a magazine for anything. Magazines are just paper. Yeah. Um, this is obviously a huge slight to Sue, and we cut to black. And in the principal's office, Sue is enraged by what Will has done. But Will explains that all of the cheerleaders have been consistently failing his class. And one of them even misspelled her own name, which is a valid reason to fail them. Like, it's not as, it's not as though Will is just, like, doing something totally backhanded and dishonest to, like, take Sue down. Like, he's giving them the grades that they probably deserve. Um, yeah, my thing here more is that failing one class is apparently enough to make them no longer academically eligible. So like, is everyone just passing the Cheerios in every class for no reason? Because I feel like just failing one class isn't going to tank your, your GPA that bad. I, uh, but what do I know? Again, we did not go to high school, so we don't know what being academically eligible for uh, extracurriculars is like. However, I assume it has something to do with GPA. It's possible that most of the Cheerios are failing their other classes um, because Principal Figgins does say that according to records, most of the cheerleaders are functionally illiterate. So if perhaps like other teachers have been failing them as well. And like Will's class, Will's Spanish class was like the one thing holding their GPA intact. They don't really explain it. I don't know. Um, they do say that since 1992, 95% of the Cheerios should have flunked Spanish. And in her rage, Sue says, Sue calls Spanish a dying language, which I think is probably the most underrated joke in the episode. But anyway, uh, Figgins is, of course, siding with Will on this, as he should. And Will leave, as Will leaves, he like barely touches Sue and she screams that that is a lawsuit, mister. Um, and she soon realizes that she will not be getting her way. And so she storms out and begins to rage and like throws books and pushes the kids around. And how has this woman not gotten fired? Question mark. I do want to pop in here and say that if this episode aired today, she definitely would have said, you just hate to see a girl boss winning. Um. Stop. <laughs> Sue Sylvester is hashtag girl boss. So we cut to a uh, Spanish class where Quinn and Finn are together, have class together. Finn slides her a note that is an idea for a baby name because he read that Gwyneth Paltrow named her kid Apple, which is great because he loves apples and he thinks that they should name their kid Drizzle. Drizzle. <laughs> and he calls it the best baby name of all time. Finn, honey. Um, he says it's because Drizzle is the best weather because it smells like it's raining because it's raining a little bit, but you don't need an umbrella to go outside. He is correct about that. Drizzle weather, best. 
Um, however, as a name, no. no. Maybe like a maybe a cool rapper name. I could see I could see someone's stage name being Drizzle. No. Um, yeah. Quinn, of course, of course, Quinn thinks this is the dumbest thing in the world, and she calls Finn a moron, which is uncalled for. And I do think this definitely comes from a place of like lashing out from her, which is not good because she goes on to explain that they're not naming the baby anything. And I think specifically, I think this kind of cuts really deep for her because I think at this point she is starting to worry, worry about potentially getting attached to the baby. And as they are storming out of Spanish class, Quinn calls Finn really insensitive for suggesting baby names when he knows that she doesn't want to keep the baby. Um, and Finn kind of asserts like, well, this pregnancy thing is happening to me too. And Quinn is like, no, it's not. You are not the one with parents who are going to kill her if they find out. I do get both sides of this because I think Finn is obviously dealing with the information that he will have a biological child in the world, even if he's not raising it. Although he doesn't know that it's not his biological child. But then I do also get Quinn's perspective as well, because he's not the one who's like having to carry the baby and he's not the one whose reputation will be destroyed if anyone finds out. Finn then really steps in it and he says that sometimes he wishes- Sometimes I wish you were more like Rachel. Which is so bad. Don't say that. Don't say that. Um, And because Rachel just cares about his feelings and sticks up for them, And he tells Quinn that Rachel gave Jacob a pair of her underwear just to keep him from posting the story. And of course, Quinn catches on immediately and recognizes that Rachel did not do that for her. She did it for Finn. She didn't do it just to be a good Mm -hmm. teammate. And she says, I know that guys will cheat on their wives or pregnant girlfriends, but just don't do it with Rachel. Maybe don't do it at all. Yeah, I mean, that's that's point number one. Also, Uh, point number two being... You did cheat on Finn. And that's why you're in this Like, situation. obviously, reciprocal cheating isn't a good idea either, but we then cut to the choir room, and they're doing a little, like, acoustic, you know, obviously thrown together kind of right now, a performance of Ride With Me. Um, it's really this- cute. It's, um, they do it all together, not divided into Sue and Will's kids, and it was originally not in the script, but the cast had been singing it like on set so much that ryan murphy liked it and he added it into the scene fun fact and it's also just like a total bop like the song itself they say that they miss hanging out with each other and they will get in huge trouble if they're found hanging out together and kurt says that sue said that if he even talked to any of will's kids that she would shave his head which is rough that's rough buddy will comes in and then he introduces a new song for all his kids, which, by the way, is all the white kids. So it is Brittany, uh, Quinn, Finn, Puck, and Rachel. Even though Puck and Rachel are both Jewish, and Puck is not played by a Jewish actor, but funnily enough, Quinn is. So it's just like, race is a complicated topic, and if I'm not mistaken, Jewishness was only recently Uh, categorized as like a quote-unquote white ethnicity so it's just I don't know I find it weird that like 
I guess I understand why Rachel wasn't included in Sue's group, but it's like, if you're going to divide the group, why not include like the Jewish people who are the minority, but also Puck's not played by a Jewish actor. But anyway. Will says that Sue's kids are singing about hate, literally, Um, which I mean, I guess he's right in that hate is in the title of the song, but it's very much it's not about hate. It's about like, you can hate me all you want. I still know that I'm cool and I'm going to rule the world. And he says that they're going to sing about love. And then he, he gives them no air by Jordan Sparks. Jordan Sparks and Chris Brown. And Quinn, Quinn immediately does speak up. She already has an issue with this by merit of it being Finn and Rachel singing a duet. But she does also call out Will for like preaching all about togetherness in the club and yet has chosen a song where only two of them get solos and the other three are just like swaying in the background doing the oohs and ahs. There's also like insane auto-tune on all their voices as they start singing. Um, this cover is fine, the cover of No Air. I, I don't particularly like listening to any Chris Brown songs, although I do really like Jordan Sparks. But honestly, it, kind, it sounds kind of bland. Though the the cover itself is it's like you said it's bland it's just kind of boring it's there's like no yeah there's no flavor in this um they enter this kind of weird diegetic dream sequence where Finn and Rachel are walking through the hallways of the school and I guess they're kind of expressing how they can't be together and they're at there actually is a kind of cool shot where Finn and Rachel are both in frame together but Quinn is standing between them literally um, which I guess is like a cool artistic choice and fits thematically, but also I'm kind of on Quinn's side, like don't cheat on your girlfriend. Um, and again, the song sounds good. They are both like hitting the high notes well. They sound good. But yeah, I'm just bored. Corey and Re- Leah always sound good together. Yeah. In my opinion. But I'm, it compared to Hate On Me, especially, it's just, it's boring. Yeah, Hate On Me was so good. And like, you could tell the actors were having fun when doing hate on me whereas during this like Brittany uh Quinn and Puck are just like literally standing in the background behind their mics like they look so done which I guess is maybe the point too they're making it very clear that like this group is not as good as the other one at the end Will calls it amazing and a bullseye which is laughable considering how good hate on me was Quinn then literally like bursts in between Finn and Rachel and says, what do you expect from us? You expect us to just sway back here like props? Fully calls him out and then we cut to Sue's office and we find out that Quinn is like reporting all of this information back to Sue. Um, And Quinn does also note to Puck and Brittany, who are the other two backup singers with her, that she thinks Sue is right about Will and that he clearly doesn't care about minorities. Um, and I think this is the first time we actually get told that Puck is a Jewish character. <laughs> they could claim that Brittany is discriminated against because she's Dutch. Um, and in Sue's office, Sue gladly she's... welcomes them into her group. She calls Will a racist, too, for God forbid discriminating against them. Not the Dutch. Gotta protect um, the Dutch. We cut to Terry at home, uh, holding her pregnant, her fake pregnancy belly, obviously oh so conflicted. Uh, as Will gets home, she shoves it under her shirt. If I made to, just to be clear as well, 
the pregnancy pad that Terry has, it's like a, it's like a fake belly thing that's supposed to show expecting pregnant people um, what their belly might look like when they start to grow. So Terry has been using them to like pretend that her belly is growing, right? This is a special tool that will come up later. So keep it in mind. Will Um, does come into the room right in time. And he asks about dinner. And she says that he's been much more forceful recently. And he says, I confronted Sue and it's great. And he feels more in control than ever. And that he made, he says that he's not going to try to make her cook, but on on nights where she's going to be home earlier than him, that it would make sense for her to be responsible for dinner, which I don't think is an unreasonable request. It's perfectly Um, reasonable. He says that he made them an appointment uh, uh, for Friday at four o'clock with Terry's obstetrician to do an ultrasound, um, which again, doctor's appointments are expensive. I don't know what kind of health insurance you have, Will. Um, and obviously this is a problem because Terry isn't actually pregnant. Will confronts Sue in the teacher's lounge uh, about you know taking more of the kids from his group. And she says, we'll make a deal. If you pass the Cheerios in your Spanish class, I will let you like have control of the Glee Club again. And, she, and Will says no. Which is, I think, is a good decision on his part because he's standing his ground against Sue. But also, I again, why can't he just tell Figgins about what's happening? Like, I know in the intro scene, they were trying to, you know, seem like everything was all great between them. I just don't understand why he can't be like, hey, Sue's really messing things up with the Glee Club. We cut to Kendra and Terry at the OBGYN's office, and they are blackmailing him to go along with this plan to fool Will at the sonogram test. They want to play a recording of Quinn's sonogram in place of Terry's so that Will will believe that like that's the baby in Terry's stomach. Kendra says that all of her kids have ADD and is convinced that because they're all ginger, that the doctor gave her too many drugs when she was in labor and it screwed up their DNA, which is not how babies work. End up vain that they will file a lawsuit against him. And he's like, oh, well, you'd clearly easily lose that lawsuit. And they say, well, even if we did lose, there's only two OBGYNs in the area. So everyone will just end up going to the other OBGYN office. Um, And so he kind of gives in and he says like, okay, what do you want? We cut to Quinn slamming Rachel's locker shut in her face and saying, you know, we're about to have a showdown or something like that because it's the TV world and everything's dramatic. I would also say it's teenagers and everything is dramatic. I feel like both of those are true. Rachel does. And so Quinn rightfully says that she's having Finn's baby and that Rachel needs to back off, which I do think is correct, except it's not Finn's baby. Um, Rachel does admit that she, that Quinn is right, that she didn't just help Finn because it was the right thing to do and that she did have kind of ulterior motives. But also Rachel accuses Quinn of quote, cheating. And you think that Rachel's about to call Quinn out for the whole puck thing, but really she's caught on to the fact that Quinn is Sue's mole for the Glee Club. And Rachel tries to convince Quinn that Sue is clearly not on Quinn's side and that once Sue does find out about the pregnancy she's obviously just going to get rid of Quinn as soon as possible which is totally correct which is correct absolutely something that 
Quinn should be more aware of. Um, but I think this episode does also focus on how Quinn is starting tr- trying to cling to those last little bits of popularity while she can. Then we go into Quinn's first solo of the series, which is Keep Me Hanging On by The Supremes, which I think is pretty decent. Um, Diana's voice is a little weak in these early episodes. And I remember when this episode aired, a lot of the reviews talked about how her voice didn't really match up with like the caliber of the others on the show. But I think it's nice. It's a very well performed, it's a well uh, filmed number, I especially think. And maybe if she were performing this live, it would be a little quiet. She's not performing this live. It's pre-recorded and they can make her voice track as loud as they need it to be. And so I think it sounds very good. I am also just confused as to why she has all these cheerleaders dancing around her when like a big part of the episode is that all the cheerleaders have been kicked off the team. So like, who are these people? And where did they get cheerleader uniforms? The choreography is also, it's cute, but in a bust your windows kind of way where you're uncomfortably aware that these are supposed to be teenagers dancing in a very provocative manner. But it's, but it's good. And I do think it is like a very well-suited song to the situation. We cut to all the Glee kids in the auditorium as Will's group, which now that Brittany and Puck have left, it now only consists of Rachel, Quinn, and Finn. And they're about to sing No Air. But right as Rachel starts, Sue is just like, nope, we're leaving. Because the because Will's group is so boring, which is valid. Sue also, Sue says, it's sad enough that my kids are living in squalor and probably on food stamps. And Mercedes goes, my dad's a dentist. And we enter into the arguing sequence that we saw at the beginning of the episode. And Will calls Sue out for being a terrible teacher and a terrible person. And Sue calls Will out for being a failed performer who couldn't make it in the real world and that he's not even good enough to run a stupid glee club. And all the glee kids are staring by shocked as their two teachers argue. They look super uncomfortable because this is obviously incredibly unprofessional. And Will and Sue even start pushing each other. And Finn finally yells, if we wanted to see mom and dad fight, those of us who still have two parents would just stay home on payday, which is such a weirdly dark line that comes out of nowhere. But I guess he's not wrong. Also, Big yikes, enormous yikes, massive yikes. Mercedes says that she may be a strong, independent Black woman, but that's not all that she is, which is, I think, a very important point to make. Mm-hmm. Um because stereotyping bad in case anyone who's listening to this podcast hadn't picked up on that um bold statement to make i know and she says that she's out and tina follows her and rachel says if you want to know if you want to do a proper storm out i'll i'll show you how to do a proper storm out and i encourage you to follow my lead to which again i must say rachel not everything is about you yeah um it is a really nice moment i noted as well quinn is the last one to leave but she does leave with everyone and the football boys even carry Artie's wheelchair up the stairs of the auditorium so that he can leave with everyone, which is like, I think just, just, it's a small bit of character development, but considering just earlier, a few episodes earlier, they were shoving him into a porter potty. That was, that's mm-hmm. nice. Will is of course really stressed after work now, but he is now at the appointment at the doctor's office to see the baby. And the doctor sets up a little um, privacy barrier for Terry's belly. Um, and Will thinks it's a little weird, but the doctor's like, oh, we, we do it for everyone. It's just protocol. 
but the privacy barrier is because he's like not actually rubbing the thing on Terry's stomach. Um, so he starts to give Terry a fake sonogram and then substitutes the video for Quinn's. It is a really beautiful and touching scene, but also kind of sad because Will starts to tear up seeing uh, what he thinks is his baby for the first time. And it's very beautiful. And then Terry kind of like clears her throat and prompts the doctor to inform Will like, oh, uh, it's actually a girl because Terry, I think, had just said it was a boy in an earlier episode, like make Will feel better in the moment. But the doctor informs them that, oh, no, it's actually a girl because Quinn's baby is a girl. And and Will starts to tear up even more. And Terry gets really worried because she's she's like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize like having a boy was so important. And he says it's not. And he, he's just so happy that they're going to have a baby girl. And um Terry pulls Will down and she says she wants him to remember at this moment in time how much they love each other and how happy they are and how they need to remember how this feels, which is like really heartbreaking to hear because she's just like clinging to these last bits of a marriage. And like, obviously Will is going to be so broken, like if and when he does find out about the plan, which spoiler alert, he does much later in the season. It's yeah, that really like it does. It does really hurt. And you feel bad for Terry in the scene, but you also don't want to feel bad for Terry in the scene. We cut back to school. We have Will in Sue's office. Uh, Will does uh, join Sue in her office finally to sort out some things. And Sue said that like, oh, I wanted to talk to you too, but I didn't know where your office was. She explains that she has decided to step down from Glee Club because she can't stand to see kids get emotional unless it's from physical exhaustion, but she would like to stay on with the consulting to see the set list before competitions. Um, And she claims this is just because she'd like to stay involved. Um, And Will is obviously very suspicious of all this, um, but Sue explains, you know, that she's just like a very extreme person. She just feels things very extremely and she doesn't care about kids' feelings as if they're real, but she cares about teaching and coaching and winning. Um, And I think there is some interesting commentary to be made about the parallels between Sue and Will's obsession with winning, but that is for another day. Will even says, and we're coming up on another top 10 iconic glee line, but like in a negative way, uh, iconic because it is so bad. Um, iconic in that I can't believe that they put this on TV. And he says, you're all, the crux, the, the pinnacle of this line is Will telling the assembled children, you're all minorities. You're in Glee Club. Truly. Let me say, let me say, you're all minorities. You're in the Glee Club. I do think that they were going for the right sentiment with this quote uh because they're stating the fact that you know in such a small group they have to rely on each other so they can't be pitted against each other when really like they are the underdogs at the school they are um the small group who are gonna show everyone how amazing they are but also will you cannot compare racism homophobia to being in a glee club you cannot you cannot compare the racism that a Jewish, a Latina, a Black person might face to being in a glee club. It's not the same. It's not the same, Will. And we shouldn't have to explain that to you. The white privilege leaped out. 
Yeah, for real. That's that's the only way I can describe that line. Um, Sue then reveals that she oh. knows Quinn is pregnant. Well, so here, while Will is having this whole beautiful speech about they how they all need to band together and stand strong, he goes, you know, it doesn't matter that Rachel is Jewish or Santana is Latina or that Quinn is and Sue goes pregnant. And we find out that Sue knows about the pregnancy and that it'll it'll be all over Jacob's blog by the afternoon, which literally leaves Quinn and Finn like in shock, like gasping for air, which is heartbreaking. Sue is actually the one that pushed Jacob to publish the story. He says that he had three sources. Yeah. Um, So Rachel confronts Jacob in the hallway apparently like Sue found the pair of underwear that Rachel had given him in his locker. And so Jacob like spilled the beans immediately to him, to her. Um, yeah. And he says he has three sources confirming and we never find out what these three sources are. Um, for what it's worth, Jacob does say he's sorry, but I don't know if I care that much at this point. And as Jacob walks away Rachel turns and sees Quinn sobbing into Finn's chest in the hallway because assumably now the entire school knows about the story and the episode ends with a really beautiful cover of Keep Holding On by Avril Lavigne uh, as the entire glee club comforts Quinn and I the analytical part of my brain wants to question where they had time to choreograph this but also it is like a very beautiful song yeah it is very much like in a way it's very much like okay what is this solving what is this helping um for some reason will schuster insists on never making the set lists for set for any competition until like the day of for some reason um but i definitely think that this could have been a song they did at sectionals um yeah they don't really yeah explain when they had time to rehearse this i guess it's to be assumed that if Sue had one song and Will had one song with their respective groups, then Keep Holding On would have been their like group number. Um, However, yeah, I don't know if it totally matters though, considering the episode, uh, you know, focused a lot on the minorities and the differences between the Glee Club members. um, I am a little disappointed that this is like mostly a Finn and Rachel duet or or it is a Finn and Rachel duet. Cause like, I would have enjoyed it more if, if Tina, Mercedes, Artie, Puck, Mike, and the rest all had like maybe short solos so that it was more clear that it's the entire Glee Club comforting her, you know? Um, But definitely still a good cover and a real showstopper for the episode. Some of the dancing is also not safe for a pregnant girl. They're doing full like leaps. I mean, I don't know what levels of exercise are, you know, suggested as safe for people at various stages of pregnancy, but I did actually, because I was like, I feel like Keep Holding On was the theme song for some movie, and so I looked it up, and it's the Aragon movie. Oh my god, are you kidding me? No, I'm not. I literally have not thought about Aragon since 2011. That's so wild. What a great, what a great way to end this episode. Remember Aragon, everyone? Remember Keep Holding On, the song from Aragon? So favorite and least favorite songs from this episode? I guess my least favorite is No Air, just because it's so bland and boring. 
I'm so over it. I agree. I my it's like it's a good song, but it's not a good performance, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um my favorite song I think is Keep Holding On. I do think Hate On Me is really really good like both really close in my mind but I think the emotional weight that keep holding on holds at the end of the episode like hits really hard and Quinn is like literally in tears by the end of it I don't know it it gets it gets to me uh I wish we had gotten a full cover of ride with me because like it's just just like a fun happy little bop they're having a good time uh if that had been a full cover I would have said that was my favorite but I do I gotta, I gotta put the song that I would like listen to as a song better than the one with the emotional punch. So I gotta go with Hate on Me for my favorite song this episode. That's entirely valid. Illegal wise, I wouldn't say Will Schuster has done anything illegal this episode. Um, besides potentially maybe like overstepping his boundaries as a teacher and going with his students to their OBGYN question mark. Not sure about the, uh, social or legal ramifications of that um so next week we are watching or not next week next episode we're watching mashup Um, this is an episode that features more of will schuster's rapping so get ready for that we won't tell you what songs but you can google them emotionally prepare yourselves and now for our section and here's what you didn't miss on glee this for those of you who may not remember what this is we open our spotify likes we hit shuffle until we hit a song that we both know uh and then we discuss you know what would have happened like what what how this would have been incorporated into the show with the storyline with only the characters who are already there go for it raising hell by kasha Ooh. You know what? Uh, this makes me upset, but it probably would have been a freaking April Rhodes song. And like her biggest character voice. Yeah. And they probably would have given the rap break to Will. Which, oof, yeah. And it would have just been a montage of them getting drunk. If it was a good character, I think I would want to hear Tina or Santana do it. I do think Santana could do it really well, but no, knowing Glee. They, they wouldn't give that to us. They would never. Um, let's see. Ooh, Thank You Next by Ariana Grande. They would have given it to Rachel. Thank You Next would be a really good Unholy Trinity song as well. But I, you're right. I think they would have given it to Rachel in reference to like all of her exes, like Finn and Jesse. And- I think that like, and this is because, you know, Ryan Murphy, his writing cast, Cowards. Finn finds out Quinn cheated on him. Finn Hudson singing Thank You Next. See, I think all I think would have been amazing. All we really want is to see Finn stop being friends with Puck. That's all we want in life, truly. I think all we want is just to stop Puck. Stop Puck. And that's the end of my opinion. Guys, we'll see you next week. Stop Puck. Hashtag stop Puck. so much for listening to our podcast you can find us at singsations pod on tumblr twitter instagram and facebook that is s-i-n-g-s as in sings a-t-i-o-n and that is the first time i've done it without looking at it so that's progress